Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the MPSA podcast series. This educational resource has been designed for those in the managed print channel to stay up to date with the industry, current trends, and future directions. Growth through education, one podcast at a time. Hello, and welcome again to the MPSA Education Committee podcast. I'm Ed Mosteller with Asalvi, and I'm happy to say that today we have two of our members um, to discuss the state of the business. So with me today are Ed McLaughlin from Predictive Insight and Mitchell Philby with First Rock Consulting. And just to start things off, I know we've had some great discussion, but... uh, you know, what, what do you see going on out in the market these days? Ed, I might just take the lead on this. Uh, obviously, um, the good thing about this discussion is both uh, Ed and I have a different lens, um, which is a shared lens, but it's coming from different perspectives. Obviously, I operate out of Australia, but uh, I do a lot of work in the economics area um, and obviously social science. And thing about uh, markets, uh, we're talking about the markets and, and how how businesses are reacting to those markets, but the marketplace that we talk about is really um, a social science because it's actually how people behave. So it's always difficult to actually get the real gauge of what's happening in markets um, generally, but we know um, the market, um, you know, the bond markets, the, the stock markets, they're, they're working at you know, six months in advance and, and we look at areas like inflation, which are really lag indicators. And I'll just give everyone an understanding about the different uh, inflation rates around the world, just to kind of give people um, some signposts. In the UK, um, we're running about 10.1% inflation. US, I believe it's about 8.2 currently. Canada, 6.9. In New Zealand, uh, across the ditch from Australia, 7.2 and locally in Australia, 6.1. So we're all at different levels, but I know we would talk to this, but uh, money's been quite cheap. And, and now we're finding that that, that uh, funding model has increased and inflation is increasing. And that's putting an issue with all the, all the federal banks and reserve banks around the world trying to increase um, you know, inflation rates to tamper uh, the, op- the perspective potential op- recession. Obviously, some areas will go into a recession potentially, um, and probably uh, they need to, and others will probably um, be safe from that. I think Australia will be safe from that because we didn't get a recession after the 2008 2009 uh, market, so we avoided that. We've got a fairly good economy. But, you know, uh, as we saw reporting come out through the US this week, it's been mixed, some good, some not so good results. Um, so I guess framing that, Ed, what, what's your view about uh, what's happening in the U.S. and other markets? Well, I think like that? you're really kind of spot on, Mitch. The uh, the fact of the matter is that while inflation is definitely with us and it's going to be with us for some time, the inflation aspect is probably more detrimental to business than the uh, rate of money, the, the the cost of money, and things of that nature, because Historically speaking, the cost of money is still relatively inexpensive, although it's significantly higher than it has been in the last few years. If we look at it over time, being in the four, five, six, seven percent range is, is not 
it's not going to be an overall drag on the economy. The inflation is a different story and it needs to be brought under control. There's no question about it. And I think inflation is probably with us for a while. Uh, and uh, you just can't have too much government spending without a consequence. And as soon as things get put under control, which eventually they have to. Uh, hey, can I just ask you, do, do you think, um, you know, when we talk about that inflation rate and why it's been increasing, um, do you think that uh, with the, um, I guess, amount of money that was being fed into all the economies over the last couple of years, trying to save um, a depression in terms of what COVID could have eventuated in, uh, do you think that's where um, that's heated up the economies? Do you think that was part of the reason? It does all the time. I mean, uh, there's inflation comes from having too much money poured into the market. I mean, Mitch, no one knows that better than you. And and when we've had too much money poured into economies through a variety of different reasons, whether it be foolish spending or even necessary spending, even after wars, uh, historically speaking, you're going to get a period of, of inflation while things settle down afterwards. It's just the, the way of things. Hopefully it'll get under control. Um, I'm not overly concerned at this point in time <clears throat> because I think people are starting to take some of the reactions to it. Uh, but it's inflation will probably be more pragmatic or more problematic than the cost of money. Uh, yes, the cost yes. of money will probably slow down some growth, but it's not going to turn off the economy. There's no question yeah, about it. And the inflation affects the social aspect that you talked about before, and that I think is the, it's how people react to things, uh, not necessarily what's really happening, but they behave differently because things get more expensive, yeah. and that's natural to happen. I think that you see you see the interaction of the Fed um, and our own local RBA Reserve Bank of Australia, and obviously the tools and the capabilities to try to soften or dampen that um, expenditure has been using, um, you know, increasing interest rates. Um, what's different than Australia in, uh, and, and the US is that um, in Australia, we're very big homeowners and we take short term loans uh, in the sense of, you know, 20 years or something like that. But um, everyone's on variable or fixed loans for two or three years into that 20 year loan repayment. And so when the RBA, Reserve Bank of Australia, increases interest rates, we actually impact really quickly on that because our obviously mortgage goes up quite dramatically, really fast. So we're, we have a fairly, uh, we're very well quickly influenced um, of our spending patterns. Where I believe the US, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, they don't have the, that much home ownership in that sense. And so, and they usually have longer, I think, um, um, one of the local banks, I think it was, um, is it uh, Mackie or I can't remember the, 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 the bank, but they refinance a lot of the loans for 30 more years. So that the, it, when, when the Fed tries to increase interest rates, it doesn't have the same effect it does here. Um, is that, would that be? Uh, no, it right? won't have the same effect. You're so, right. So, so, how, so how does, you know, those kind of things, they're going to they're gonna take slower to work through the system for the U.S.? The U.S. has a mixed bag. First of all, there's a, a combination of fixed and variable mortgages in the U.S., and I don't know what the percentages of that mix is, yeah. but um, 
there also is longer term mortgages. So um, it's not uncommon for a 30 year mortgage. Now, there's also a lot of uh, people today are getting shorter term mortgages because of their desire to unload the mortgages. So it depends where people are in their life and and what they're doing. But uh, as an economy, you're right. We don't have the same impact on that as you would have in Australia where everybody's on a variable rate mortgage because not everybody is on a variable rate mortgage in the US. But I think a good percentage of people are. So it will have an impact even though it's a a longer loan. Uh, The interest rate's still going to have an impact on their mortgage payments. Right, because I know that the I know the last CPI rating in the US uh, obviously was it's still around about eight point two I think it was and what was telling is that about thirty percent of that CPI number comes from rental property and rental properties uh, when you own a home the opportunity to rent that property out but that is also uh, a lagging effect where so that is also you know that's why there's a lot of talk that potentially you've already peaked uh, in the marketplace uh, and inflation may come down. Um, and that's going to uh, either you go into recession or you don't go into recession. What's your view on that? And how is that going to affect you know, the dealers out there today? We're definitely going to go into a recession. I, and I, and I, I mean, I say definitely, I'm not a certified economist or anything, but everything I've watched and we're overdue for a recession. It suggests uh, that, yes, that's not. So I just think that it's uh, uh, how deep a recession that I have not a clue, but yeah. we're on a downward trajectory and we will go into a recession. There's no question about it. It's going to be a slowdown and it's going to be, uh, it will affect the way that businesses approach their fleets that we get yes. right down to the granular aspect of uh, our business and print and IT and all the other services. Um, they're going to be more conservative in their approach during a recessionary period. Uh, a lot of people feel that, oh, geez, if I can save people money during a recession, they're going to jump on the bandwagon. Uh, that historically hasn't been the case. Right. Usually you find that people are uh, just more conservative to their approach. They'll stay status quo. Uh, they'll get a longer life out of existing assets and, um, and try to stay a course until they see what the direction is and just how long the recession might be. So there will be an impact on the business. How deep it is and how long it is, that's very difficult to say. There are there are signs coming through um, the US at the moment where supply chain, um, all the containers, there's a reduction, a large reduction of containers now coming in. Um, they, they, they believe that all the you know, Walmart and other um, retail stores uh, are saturated with um, clothing and TVs and computers because we've, we were buying those kind of products while we are in COVID. Now we've moved to services, um, we're switching to services. So there's been a reduction in the container ships and, and, and um, moving through the US. So that's a signal. I think Amazon also um, quoted uh, that China is also going to potentially go in recession. So that also impacts different supply chains. It's locally in the US, um, you know, to your point, if customers start to, you know, they're, 
they're waiting to see how deep and long the recession bites into the marketplace. You you think that people will go into optimizing their current existing fleets, sweat the assets a lot longer than they probably normally until they see clear air. And if they buy, will they buy economically or will they buy in, through an investment saying, well, we need this, let's buy the bullet and go for a four-year term, five-year term. How do people, how do you think people will operate in the US in that marketplace? It's all over the ballpark. Right. Um, it's going to be, as there will be those people that will look at the value versus the price, look at the longevity, look how can I get more out of this. Uh, the biggest term, the most term I use most frequently is conservative. They try to take a very pragmatic, serious approach to to their buying habits, and uh, they don't stop. You can't stop doing business. No. You're not going to stop well, doing business. You go out of business if you do that. Yeah. So you, nothing's going to stop. I think t people take <clears throat> running their business more seriously when the money gets tighter. And if money gets more expensive by the fact that it gets a little bit more expensive, it gets tighter because you don't want to spend much to get it. Uh, that will impact some of the growth, but it's not going to impact, it's not going to turn the growth off. It's just going to slow some of some of it down. And some of it may be good. Uh, it, people are more thoughtful about the things that they do. Uh, they generally make better buying decisions. and uh, when we're running our businesses, we're probably going to take a more pragmatic approach to the things that we use to help our run our businesses. Yes. And those people providing the services are going to get more serious, hopefully, about improving productivity. Every time we have a downturn of any type, we find new technologies break through, better processes get put in place, more uh, productivity comes out of it. And I think this situation won't be any different than they have been throughout time. It's going to be interesting because we've not um, ever had this kind of environment where we are heading or maybe in a restricted market in terms of recession. Um, at the same time, we're living in a hybrid environment, you know. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, businesses, uh, you know, there's a views and, uh, of leadership in business that, you know, um, we're happy for people to stay at home because productive, we want people to have, uh, people have experienced that. And so they, they understand that lot in life and they like that better in some way. So there's obviously businesses that will support that working from home. There's other businesses that may not be happy with that arrangement because I like to make see, sure they see the activity, they're in, they're in the office, things like that. So it'd be interesting to see if, if um, organisations descale their, their physical locations to save money on rent because that's a way to reduce your cost base or still stay that and hold the course. It'd be interesting to see how we go because we've not been through this process of, of this no, environment. So that's also going to make it more challenging as well. Yeah, we haven't been through this before. That's true. But I think also right now you're seeing more and more people go back to the office. Um, we're seeing a large percentage in just in the last couple of months where organizations are encouraging people to come back to the office and people are uh, coming back. And I've heard a number of people say it's like uh, old home week. Everybody's glad to see each other, glad to be together. Uh, so they're enjoying 
coming back into the office. We are human. We are human. We love that interaction. That's what we're yeah. for humans. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know, many of the people that I talk to, they don't look forward to the commute. They now I gotta go into the commute again. Yeah. And while I work at home anyway, so I don't personally get to see this, but I understand uh, that feeling. And and candidly, sometimes I miss going going into the office. I don't have an office to go to. This is it. Um, but I, when I'm out and about, I can see that the traffic has picked up substantially. And I, while we're in hybrid and probably into some level of hybrid, maybe forever, because some people look at it as a lifestyle change uh, as much as anything else. And whether or not there is increased productivity, um, there's going to be a debate on that. And the debate will last forever. I'm not sure that it's that much more productive one way or the other. I think it's a matter of preferences. And um, it depends what you do, whether or not it makes sense to be in that hybrid environment. And Ed, do but, you think do you think um, that where dealers, uh, if if the dealers have their sales teams, do you think that the the engagement style um, from those sales teams will start to be more driven and focused around the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, the procurement areas, um, because within those businesses they're taking much more focus around it and the bunts and burns under the under the cost model so are there going to be more conversations in in that realm um in terms of who they are going to be speaking to not that they would like to do that but that's probably going to be an outcome of the businesses putting a bunch of burn under their cost base and understanding you know and that's a good thing because they actually have they they want visibility of their cost and, and great thing about our industry is that we really provide a good understanding about their cost of how they run their operation from printing perspective. So that could be a good thing, but it could be a, a negative thing. What's your view on that? Oh, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I mean, the fact that everybody and it's not just the people that we're selling to; it's the people we are. We yeah. need to be better <clears throat> and um, much more financially literate. 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 Yeah, it, it's a. It's the way that we improve. And you, you improve more during difficult times than you do during good times. Definitely. That's just the, that's just human nature. Uh, it's the way it's going to be. And I, quite frankly, I, I look uh, for some of those weaker moments in the economy to be uh, an indicator of where we're going to go and how trends are going to develop. We, we really began to see the downturn in print, for example. Yes. Really developed after the 2008 turndown. That was the peak period for print. And the reason that it happened all around that time is we had a bad economic condition that came around at the same time there were certain types of technology that were developed. Uh, the mobile technology, the iPhone came out. There was mobile before, but then it really elevated to a whole new level. Yeah. And we found ways to become more efficient by forcing things through the processes without the use of paper. And that changed the purpose of paper. It didn't eliminate it, but it changed the purpose of paper. And we're on that trajectory at this point in time. As this economy cools, we're going to see more of a change in processes. And <clears throat> we'll see more changes in how people use print and what sort of print is being used. Uh, this talk of print falling off a cliff is the wrong word. Uh, yeah. It's a mature market, 
and it's going to be in a state of decline and it's going to be a moderate decline. It's going to continue and it is going to decline over a long period of time. Um, but to say that print will go away, no, it's not going to go away. It'll, they, definitely, they definitely will continue different. to coexist. Because it's different and its purposes are different. The value yeah. that it brings is different. So the way that we have to approach it is different. Uh, it's historically had very, very nice profit levels and it continues. Everyone that I speak to that's in the print industry uh, is doing very well with the print. And quite candidly, sometimes I think it's it's so profitable that it it gets in the way of, of improving because, <laughs> you know, we know there's certain things that we should be doing to improve our businesses. But we're doing we're so good right now. I mean, do I, I really want to go chase this. I don't want to spend the time doing this hard work. But when things go through a downturn, we have to spend the time to do the hard work. And yeah, and look, and your focus, as you know, Ed, your focus really draws to attention where you need to, to improve your business. Sure. But when, as to your point, when your business is doing well, and it's humming along and the revenues coming in and profits are there you have a tendency to keep tapping it along because you're wanting, you know, not the words not milking it, but you want to maximize the opportunity. So you don't think to, kicking to point. down the road is that, that costly at that particular point in time. Yeah. I'll take the money right now and 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 that's it's normal. There's no it's not a new thing and it's not uh it's not going to go away anytime too it's human behavior. Well, that's why you're in business, by the way. That's why entrepreneurs and business owners are in business to mm -hmm. to make profits from the work that they've and effort they've put into the business. So there's there's no there's no wrong of of them yeah. trying to maximise and, and and take the earnings because what is taken is taken. If you don't take it, somebody else will. So you have to keep working through that. It's not a, it's not a wrong thing. It's not a bad thing. We can't look at it as going oh, um it's bad. But what to your point is. I think the key thing is to 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 diversify, to reduce your risk in at at times or periods, or in areas where you may be um, vulnerable, and that's probably why it's a you know a broader topic. But it's something that businesses have to be much smarter in diversification, and it's probably where they're not because when when you're going down that road, everything looks good, but you also look you know you'll have to open your lens up and look broader across the other other roads in case they are worthy of, of some investment in. That's the challenge for business owners. Diversification and evolution of a business is critical to its, yeah. its uh, longevity. And uh, it always has been. There's nothing, nothing new about that. And there's nothing permanent either about print. I mean, I remember a time, <clears throat> there was an article written in, uh, I believe it was Forbes magazine, in the 1970s that said that Xerox could never really be uh, as important a company as IBM because they didn't have something as basic to the office as the typewriter. Yeah. Well, whatever happened to that theory? Um, nobody has a typewriter today. If you do, they're few and far between. And certainly it's not the business that supported all the manufacturers that supported back then. Yet almost all the companies that were in that typewriter business with, with a few exceptions uh, are still in business today doing something different than they were doing back then. 
and, uh, they're going to be around. Uh, uh, they may have changed names. Uh, Royal is now Konica. Um, IBM still IBM. Uh, Remington was part of uh, Univac and Sperry Rand. They're now Unisys, and they're all a services company. So I mean, <clears throat> they're all there. Um, uh, SCM is the exception to the thing. SCM's gone, but that's gone for a lot of different reasons. And will will we see things uh, be different in decades down the road? Yes. So as a consequence, we need to adjust our business to to take care of where we're going to be. We're in a cycle right now, and how long the cycle lasts, I don't know. But it's a normal cycle of value, and a product or a service becomes more valuable. The service aspect of it becomes more valuable the more mature the market becomes. Yes. And we're now in that area where print is at the at the level of maturity that it is, and the services around it are more valuable than the print itself because True. people spend time managing it. They'll, they'll outsource it to somebody else to get it done. And in the early stages of MPS and managed print services, quite frankly, people didn't treat it as a service. They just thought it was a, a, a cost per copy print and yeah. they didn't look at the services aspect of it. Now people are starting to take managed print services more seriously and look at it as a, a managed process. And well, I think I, th I think that, that point is where what um, businesses have realised, the dealers have realised, salespeople realise is what customers have been trying to educate um, a lot of different industries is it's all outcome based. Um, mm -hmm. They want the outcome. They don't really care, unfortunately, what logo or brand or what the features are as much as I just want the outcome. They want a reliable, consistent outcome. Um, and that's what they're paying for. A managed print services, the rural services model was actually built to support that outcome-based philosophy. And mm -hmm. I think people have now realized that and now are catching on to that. So, you know, aligning yourself to outcome-based and uh, aligning to the KPIs that the business is trying to achieve for those outcomes is what successful business operators need to understand in our ind industry. Well, that's my yeah. view. And I completely agree with it. I don't think we'll ever completely eliminate uh, brand preferences. There are going to be people that have brand preferences and some people are going to want Canons and some people are going to want HPs and this sort of thing is going to be uh, a way of life and will be a way of life going forward. But the real urgency will be if I need the, out I need the output, I need this happen, I, whether I get it on that brand or this brand, is not really what we're all about and what the services should be all about. It should be satisfying the need uh, that is there. And there is always going to be a need or a convenience uh, regardless of the economy. And, and this economy may be a good time to focus on developing real value uh, for an end user because that this is a time they're going to be more serious and more conservative about their, their approach. Yes, and I know we're, we're coming up to our kind of uh, time uh, frame to complete our conversation today. So based on that, what's I guess one or two key takeaways that you would think that dealers um, in the market today, what are the two things that they would have to prepare for over the next 12 to 18 months as we move into a, a more of a, a restricted market 
rather than a growth market, more of a decline, a recessional market um, before we come out again. What, what, what's your kind of takeaways from that? That's a, that's really a good question. There, there's a there's there's a lot to think about, and I think we need to be focused on creating value, understanding our customers, and and really getting closer to our customers. I'm going to I'm going to digress and get off onto a, a different statistic as a consequence of your sure. question. One of the things I've noticed in the last, and I think I may have had a conversation with you at a different time talking about this. Um, as I got into this business that I'm in right now, I thought that I ran into something that I was an anomaly. I felt at the time what was related to small dealers, the, the percentage of business that they got from the accounts that they were in. Because when, when we're measuring the fleets and looking at the, at the activity in the fleet, I kept seeing that less than half of the base that they have opportunity to is the base that they manage. I'm now seeing that now we're into some mega dealers and, and candidly, the numbers haven't changed. It, it's hard to believe, but on average, they only manage, dealers only manage 49% that's the actual statistic across the entire universe of, of nearly a million devices, uh, actually a little over a million devices that we're looking at right now. Only 49% are managed by them. The other 51% belong to a multitude of other people. Right. That is not really account management and account penetration. That is an enormous opportunity for people going forward. They need to start really focusing and thinking about how do I change the customer experience? How can I make the customer want to do business with me? And there's a multitude of avenues and ways for them to go about doing that. And it's not all going to be just providing faster response time or a better feed and speed. Or, in fact, it'll have, that'll have no effect on it at all. But the conveniences that are there, looking at a true B2B e-commerce offering to offer productivity for your sales force or for conveniences for your clients and customers. That's an important aspect. Getting your handle on the activity inside the account when you're measuring, when you're monitoring in your accounts, are you just doing meter readings or are you actually looking at moves and changes and looking at the competitive environment that's there? Can you see with people what competitive activity is going on in your account? Do you have ways of automatically looking at that? And do you, if you have those tools, do you pay attention to them? Or are you just looking for the function of today for the consumer consumable replacement or for uh, meter readings to bill? Um, there's a lot more data and a lot more information available, and we have to start using it. It, you just you just raised a really good point, and again, um, it's probably too big a conversation. But the point I'll make is that um, the most, if you look at the tech companies today, you know the Googles of those and the Facebooks of the world and people like that, what that they they have grown dramatically because it's not about necessarily the products they sell, it's because their IP is all around data. That's their value proposition, data. 
And that's the one thing that our industry needs to understand. And they don't use it enough, or they don't have insight to it enough, and they don't know exactly what the disconnect is. But to your point, their ability to understand their data and to know what their gap is in that data, um, because that also shows you what you don't have or what you don't know. So being much more data-driven in, in understanding your business is, is a key core competency in dealers going forward. And to your point, I think that's kind of just reinforces that. That's, um, you know, the outcome that you talked about, the, you know, the, the percentage of being managed by dealers versus the independent, um, somebody, you know, whoever the other group was, just shows that they just don't have the data understanding of their business in some way. So two point. Yeah, they really, we really need to turn that data into the knowledge. Yeah. And the knowledge has to be of a quality that enables us to, to look at complex problems and be able to solve them before they become a big issue. So where we think of um, preventive maintenance, we need to start thinking and planning around predictive maintenance and predictive thought processes and looking at the accounts more holistically so that we understand the moves and changes and things that are going on, the dynamics that are inside the account. And, and we need to be more scientific in how we look at our customers. And we get to become intimate with them. We really need to understand the customer. But I'm thoroughly convinced that account management has gotten weaker over the past few decades rather than stronger now's the opportunity and the time as the economy tightens up to get better at it yeah, and to go definitely. back to the basics there was a time in our industry when account management was really a solid science i don't see it and i haven't seen it for quite a long time but i yeah, think i think i think i think it's just gone to that transactional model so much more than it should have and we've had we've engineered our sales we, process we saw the change in accounting principles in the 1980s uh, the problem with me is I've been around, I, I, I've argued against carbon paper. So, you know, oh, I've yeah. seen a lot of changes over the, over this period of time. Uh, and I, I will tell you that in the eighties, when we had the change in the accounting principles, it set off a, a pattern of a transactional behavior that is, is lasted and people have made a lot of money on that transactional behavior for a long time. But prior to that, if you weren't intimate into the account, you didn't get anywhere. Uh, and, and I think we're going to get back to that sort of thing. Account intimacy is necessary for success. That's my biggest takeaway. And I know we could keep talking, but I know, unfortunately, we don't have enough time to continue. Some, our someone just called me this week, the filibuster guy, so I could keep talking forever, I guess. That's, that's always lovely to talk to you. But thank you, Ed, for your time today. Uh, it's been great. And uh, I look forward it. to chatting again, no doubt, in the very near future. I'll see you again soon. I know I will. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, okay. guys. Some really good uh, good things to think about and love the insight from both of you. Thanks again. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. And Ed. To access more great learning content, simply visit www.yourmpsa.org slash podcasts. Be sure to check out our membership page as well to drive even more innovation and growth for your managed print practice.